You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue on our exclusive recap series on the TV show Third Watch. We're into the 21st episode, the penultimate episode of season one. Can you believe we're this deep into the season? And uh, plenty to talk about. This episode, of course, is entitled Just Another Night at the Opera. Uh, and, uh, of course, as somebody myself who frequents the opera a lot, I, I know what that's like. Just kidding. I've never been to an episode of opera in my life. Uh, do you even call them episodes? I don't know. Um, this aired on the 8th of May, 2000. Uh, it was written by Edward Allen Bonero, of course, one of the co-founders of the show, and directed by Christopher Missiano. Uh, and I will start off by saying, my name is Ben, and I love watching you get dressed. Oh, um. <laughs> Ben getting a bit creepy here. Well, I will ask you this. My name is Brittany. Would you like to go to a ball game before you see me? Get dressed? <laughs> uh, who, who are we seeing play here, though? Brandy? What's, what's, what team are we seeing? Yankees or the Mets? Whatever Bosco's a fan of. Is it? I, I, you know what? When I moved to New York, I decided I'd be a Mets fan. Oh, really? Well, because like, I feel like I had to be in baseball, so I have to pick one. And I was like, well, I like the colors. I'm not a baseball fan, but I like the colors. Mm. So I'll go with the Mets. See, I'm a White Sox mm. man. I'm, you know, I'm Chicago. But uh, my dad goes for all the New York teams, basically. But he's a Yankees man, not a Mets man. And uh, I have valid reasons to not like the Mets now. So I, if I had to choose, I'd go for the Yankees. But, uh, you know. Manor, Seattle Manners, because I'm from <laughs> I See, I have a soft spot for Seattle teams, because I actually... We're already sidetracked already, but welcome to the Oz Network. Uh, I was having this conversation <laughs> with somebody the other day about sports teams, and like this person, they uh, geog- geog- geographically would choose all the Ohio teams. Like they're an Australian, but for some reason they liked. I think they basically they go for the Cavs, so they chose all the other Ohio teams. My dad, like he just chooses all the New York teams, but my my teams are all spread across the country in terms of why I like certain teams in different leagues. But then I do have cities where I have soft spots for those teams. So like I love New York, so I'll always have a soft spot for the New York team. Um, and I love Seattle, so I have a soft spot for the Seattle teams. And same with Atlanta, I have a soft spot for the Atlanta teams. So I'm a Falcons fan to the fullest. There you go. I, I thought you were a Seahawks fan. Why did I picture that? No, 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 no. I grew up when I was watching. I grew up on football, and I, I used to root for the Seahawks because you know I thought, oh, it was my hometown. I have to. But once I got into football, like learned like the terms like interception, and, like actually got into it. The Falcons. I fell in love with the Falcons, and. Ever since then, I've been a Falcons fan. Well, I don't, well I'm I can't, a Bills fan, uh, so um, you know. New York uh, Giants too, though they're also another. True, I'm, true. I, have a I did see the New York Jets play. My only NFL game that I have been to in person was a New York Jets game. Uh, <gasps> so uh, I did see a, uh, one of them, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I know, and I know Buffalo's sort of uh, within the vicinity of New York. It's not that far away from it, so um, you know that's the closest I think I've got a team to my favorite city in the world. So. Go the Bills, even though they kind of suck, but whatever. Uh, anyway, we're here to talk about Third Watch. Um, not the NFL, not American sports. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as I mentioned at the end of last episode, I quite enjoyed this episode. I feel it's a, it's an underrated episode. It's kind of, if you look at all the episodes from Season 1, you know, you've obviously got the memorable episodes that we've obviously gone over, uh, you know, for a variety of different reasons. You know, you remember your Ohio's, you know, you, you remember your Demolition Derbies, you know, you remember your Welcome to Camelot's. But uh, I kind of feel that um, 
this is an episode that's often overlooked. I think there's just... This is one of those episodes where it's not necessarily a standout for the storyline. I just think it's got a lot of great character moments in this episode. And it's also setting us up to a pretty decent finale here for a, a very good season. So this is kind of one of those hidden gems, I feel, that Third Watch fans need to appreciate a little bit more. Yeah, no, I this episode I do remember a lot just because of the opera itself. I'm a big fan of opera and certain, depending on, like, the music and... Like Luciano on Pop Variety, I'm a big fan of him. So I do remember this episode a lot. I was, I just don't remember like when it was, if it was this season or the next season. One thing I have to say though, Brandy, starting off this episode, as much as I love this episode, you know what pisses me off about the beginning of this episode? What? You, you, you got to catch up on this. Come on, Brandy. Come on. You watched the start of this episode. What happened at the start of this episode that I thought we were done with? Tonight on Third Watch. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. why? Why is this back? I, I, I was laughing when that happened. I'm just, I'm a little tired, so forgive me. But no, I uh, I was laughing when that happened. I thought it was done with because it didn't do it. And then it did it again. I mean, I think they I, do it just for you. I think I started off this podcast series by saying I would argue uh, that I, you know, might be the biggest Third Watch fan out there in the world. Yet here I am, basically cannot remember that one of the pet peeves I have about this show is here. And also the fact that I've got Candyman Returns. Um, But we legitimately have these pointless tonight on Third Watch. Oh, God. And I I actually am pretty certain, I will say, I haven't watched the finale yet in terms of the recap for next week. I'm pretty certain they might have that next episode. I feel that it might be there again. So I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping it's there for like another 10 just oh, for you, Ben. Oh, no. Hell to the <laughs> I'm no. Kidding. I'm done. I'm going to go podcast about Chicago Fire or fucking whatever the Chicago toiletry company. What are they? They spin off everything off that damn show. Uh, sorry, I know you're a fan. I shouldn't back it out. Um, but anyway, outside of stupid fucking Tonight and Third Watch, uh, we actually have a quite a fun little opening. We, we had Nicole and Bosco in their apartment uh, a couple of episodes ago, but we kind of get a bit more of an extended one here. Um, it's kind of, we're really finding out here that off the back of the end of the last episode that Nicole and, uh, Bosco's mum have become friends, which again, look, I have to say that's very believable. I can see Nicole becoming friends with Rose. Um, and they just kind of have this little conversation that, uh, you know, Bosco's mum's getting sexy lingerie. She's got a date with a younger man. Uh, and again, I completely believe that to me, Bosco's mum seems like, like, like we didn't really mention this at the end of last episode. Her boobs were hanging out of her top, something chronic when she, like, met Bosco at that bar. So, like, to me, she's a cougar. Bosco's mum is definitely a cougar. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of funny. And, like, this is the thing that kind of frustrates me when I was saying at the end of last episode, how they kind of just ditch Nicole so quickly next season. This could have been so much fun just having this, you know, could you imagine, like, if Bosco and Nicole, spoiler alert, they don't get married, but, like, if they ended up getting married and just, like, planning the wedding and Bosco's mum and Nicole... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I would love to see that. That would have been an interesting plot right there. Like, her being a mom and Bosco and... Uh, I don't know. Would have been fun. But uh, I love this. I just love this opening. We don't really talk too much about the chemistry here between Bosco and Nicole. Uh, I'm going to have to pull up the actress's name here in just a second, obviously, Jason Wiles and the actress who does play Nicole. But um, I have to say that I love her apartment. Can I just point that out? I know it's kind of just like a studio apartment. I guess that's a standard New York City apartment. But um, it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm just thinking about like how much does a ring? Co- I don't know. <laughs> well, we heard a little bit about that with uh with Doc and Morales, didn't we? About it, but um, was, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful apartment, and it's it's huge for sure. Like you know, what's funny is that I noticed one thing in this like these Star Watch episodes is that like a lot of these apartments are huge. Oh yeah. <laughs> For sure. But, I mean, I guess it's kind of explained. It's not like the friend situation where everybody always debates about how they can afford that New York City apartment. But, like, uh, it's different here. Like, we know Nicole's rich, and obviously we're going to get a little bit more of that. Uh, Nahania Johnstone, of course, is the uh, actresses who who plays Nicole. And interesting here, according to IMDb, Nicole was never given a last name. She was just simply referred to as Nicole. So, um, there you go. Um, anyway, I, I do remember we've discussed Nahania Johnstone before, uh, but I just completely forgot the name of the actress. Um but I guess this basically sets up that uh, Bosco is going to meet her parents because Bosco kind of finds it a little bit weird that he's uh, this sort of friendship between uh, his girlfriend and his mother and he wants to meet Nicole's parents. And that kind of leads into why this episode is called Another Night of the, Just Another Night of the Opera. We didn't really discuss last episode, kind of we brought this up a few episodes ago, about how they get the episode's names. And I don't really know if we got a, a reference point to why the last episode was called A Thousand Points of Light. But this time around, we know it's why it's called Just Another Night at the Opera, because right now it's setting us up that Bosco is going to go to the opera and he needs to wear a tuxedo, and he's going to meet her parents. Now, out of all the characters in this show, uh, Brandy, did you ever assume you were going to see uh, Maurice Boscarelli going to the opera? No, never. <laughs> it's, why, it's why this episode is awesome. Bosco and a tux. Yes. yes. You look like James Bond. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to that scene. Such- I want to talk about that scene. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Um and what what's the line there where Nicole says about the reason why I was attracted to you was because um I can't remember why she says it. The thing that I find interesting about the whole Nicole Bosco element, which again I think we'll talk a little bit more at the beginning of season two when they kind of just scrap Nicole to the, the scrap pile, is like this is the episode where I really feel they start developing these two into a serious couple. Um because like obviously we kind of get that scene later on when Nicole's basically explaining that yeah, I pretty much was with you to piss my dad off, but now I'm actually falling in love with you. Um, you know, it's just, it's kind of, I'm going to be very critical about that first episode of season two for that storyline. Not necessarily the entire episode, because I, I find season two, I'm going to have very few episodes where I won't be buying them. I feel like I'm going to buy the majority of season two episodes because I love that season. But there's still elements, like I mentioned last episode about the Bobby kind of random kid storyline, but just, I just, it just makes me so mad how they scrap Nicole the way they do in just the way that they do it too. It's like, okay, if they want to write her out because they don't want these two to be together anymore, just they do it so cheaply and lazily. So, um, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Um, I don't know if you really have anything more to add on this situation while I stop myself from going on another rant. No, possibly. I will say I I agree so much with you, but I think they also, I guess they gave a little hint to it with, with what the dad says at the end. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I guess that's one way we can say they gave us a little bit of a hint, but still annoying, but yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, now, I mentioned last episode, uh, of course, we, we've well established here on the show that Bobby basically becomes obsolete from a few episodes ago. And uh, they still try and find a few little random things to get Bobby to do. Here is Bobby walking down the street and, of course, bumps into his bestie from another day, Georgie Ramirez. Oh, what a dynamic duo those two would have been growing up. <laughs> I really don't give a shit about this guy. Um, that's that's George Ramirez. I do give a shit about Bobby. Um, but like, 
we get kind of random conversation. Georgie Ramirez has made it as a trader's assistant. Yay! And then he starts talking about Bobby still driving the ambulance with that fine partner of yours. Um, fair enough. Kim is pretty fine. Um, unless he started working with Doc. I mean, Doc's pretty fine too. Um, but, <laughs> like, he just randomly mentions, Oh, I'm sorry about your brother. I saw him panhandling in Grand Central the other day. Uh, and, of course, Bobby kind of is shocked by this and doesn't know much. Now, look, I'm glad that they're trying to do something with Bobby. I just have to be critical again of this storyline because it's like... I think we mentioned this a little bit when we had the whole Maddie storyline from a few episodes ago that obviously led us, led us to Kim and Bobby finally hooking up. It's just the way Bobby got over it so quickly, and then he got over Kim so quickly, moved on to Trevor, who's kind of just disappeared all of a sudden. The fact that we need to bring this back as kind of something that we, we need to maybe think about, oh, yeah, what happened to Maddie? Is he out there? Like, this is kind of going back a few episodes ago with the whole Sully episode when he was chasing after that guy who stole the church chalice. It's like, yeah, I can see the reasoning behind it, kind of as a character-wise, but can you think of anything that this leads to Bobby in this episode? Because, I mean, we kind of get this whole um, issue. I think, look, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to lump basically all of Bobby, Kim, and Jimmy stuff all together now, because outside of what that happens, there's really nothing with them in this episode. So I think we can kind of just get this over and done with right now. This is one of those occasions where we can just talk about it. So essentially, from what I'm going to lump this into it, is that, Jimmy tells Kim that he's getting married to Brooke, our beloved Brooke. We try to ship those couples, you know, exactly. And essentially, you know, when he tells Kim and he's all like, oh, you know, you're not going to be happy with what I'm going to tell you. She's like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good today. And then it kind of leads into this sort of whole back and forth between Kim and Bobby where Kim's like, you know, oh, I need to tell you something. And Bobby basically, let's be honest, for the first time stands up to her because he's got issues based off this news that he's found out his brother is panhandling. So he basically at one point says to Kim, doesn't he, like, I've got issues too. I don't need to hear about your love life. And then ultimately we get a fun little scene with Jimmy and Bobby where Jimmy's all like, um, oh, so has Kim said anything about me today? And he's like, oh, what is this, Sweet Valley High? you got an issue? Talk about it yourself. Um, and then... Later on, obviously, it leads into Kim just slipping it out. Oh, Jimmy's getting married again. And then Bobby's just like, you couldn't help yourself, could you? If you love him, just tell him. <laughs> and like, I do love that scene where Bobby's like, Urgh. My favourite. And then it yeah. ultimately leads into uh, Jimmy uh, visiting Kim in the middle of the night and basically saying, if you don't want me to marry her, you tell me. I won't marry her. And then Kim's kind of like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be coming to my house this time of night. That's probably going to answer your own question. Um, and then it's kind of implied that he's going to stay the night even though he's engaged. Um, and obviously with Bobby, we kind of get a random little scene of him at the end disturbing a homeless person looking for his brother. Now, the reason I can lump all that in quickly and get it over and done with is because going back to my point with Bobby, how they're just kind of trying to find a random little storyline to keep him occupied... I think this had potential. This could have been a, a leading thing where eventually he's going to come across Maddie again in the future because we're hearing, like, he's homeless, so he's going to make an appearance again to, like, beg for his brother's forgiveness because that fits in with Bobby's character. But, like, this goes nowhere. Like, spoiler alert, don't expect any of what I just said. It does not happen. This is it. This is all we get, a random little appearance of, oh, guess what, Maddie's panhandling. So that makes Bobby angry enough that he can't listen to Kim's problems, which, again, is fair enough. It just frustrates me that 
This is what they do with Bobby's character. I'm so team Bobby Cannavale here why he wanted to leave this show because they're not doing anything with him. They just give him random plot lines so he can get a bit angry at Kim to then serve as a plot device to basically say, well, maybe you still love him. That's all that Bobby is being used for at this point. Jimmy has overtaken Bobby as more of an in-depth character. Bobby is the new Jimmy. Let's have random Bobby moments as opposed to random Jimmy moments. There's my little rant over with. I'll just say quickly with the Kim and Jimmy stuff. I like it. I was on their team last episode. I like how it's setting it up to what we're going to get next episode. And the whole Brooke getting married thing uh, to Jimmy, I actually think it kind of works in what that's going to lead to with what will happen with Jimmy next season. Uh, and I think it fits in very well with Jimmy's character. So I have nothing against the Jimmy and Kim stuff. You probably do. Um, but, like, I... That, that sounded a lot meaner than it was meant to sound. Um, but... Yeah, I just, the Bobby stuff frustrates me. I will say I agree, because, like, you forget about Maddie until this point, and then you bring him up, and there's so much potential there, and I think the same thing. Like, I was like, oh, a path of redemption. Like, we're going to, and you forget, because I'm like, is this the last time Maddie is mentioned? I think it, it is. is. I oh, can't it has to be. It. I think may- maybe the whole episode when Bobby eventually leaves, his name is kind of referenced, maybe, but. It is. Yeah. I believe. But, I mean, in terms of, uh, Kim and the reason I was so over Kim and Jimmy is just the fact that like I'm with Bobby and he's like oh just if you love him tell him yeah and then like when Kim at the end is like when Jimmy comes over and is like I can't wait around forever let me know right now it's like I don't know after like I don't know maybe I'm just at this I'm, I feel old maybe but at this point tell someone if you like him tell him now because I don't know like I guess like later on in the episodes you see how it plays out and how Kim like at that moment it could have been, I don't know, I, I guess things could have been, like, right there, solution right there, but it's a TV show, so you're not always going to have a solution right there at that moment. It's going to be dragged out even further, but I'm team Bobby right now. Look, I have to I'm say, I have to say I don't disagree with what you said. I completely agree with you. I just, I think what it does well is that, and, like, I think kind of we can all connect to this situation where, like, yeah, I guess it get the frustration of it, but, like, I think we all have a person that's been in our lives at some point who is always that one love that you just can never get over, if you know what I mean. Like, even if you're moved on to another person, you get married and have kids, there's always kind of the part of yourself. You've always got that one person where maybe the breakup hurt a little bit more or maybe there was just something about them that kind of is always going to be with you whether or not you're going to end up with them or not. And I kind of think that's Jimmy and Kim. I think they're that too that, you know, and it's, it's kind of even said like, when she's kind of reacts to him getting engaged, like you've been together for like five months or whatever it is, you know, it must be true love. And it's kind of the interesting parallels between Kimmy and Jim, which I don't, Jimmy, Kimmy, I said the wrong way, Kim and Jimmy is that, I don't think we really discussed this kind of like I was talking about how like Doc and Carlos kind of swap over with each other. The parallels between Jimmy and Kim, we had a few episodes ago, of course, where Kim was talking about how she feels like maybe she should just settle down. Why is she waiting around for true love? She's got a son. She needs to raise him. So maybe she just shouldn't be so picky. This is kind of what Jimmy's doing right now. Like Jimmy kind of implies it's like, well, you know, Maybe I'll get back with you. Okay, well, I've got to find someone to move on. You know, he said he literally says a line, I'm not good at doing alone. And so I, I kind of think the parallels there, and this is why Jimmy and Kim work so well together, and why this is kind of that ongoing saga between the two, which you can get behind, is because, I mean, they are so perfect together. And one thing that I don't think we've really talked up too much either is the chemistry between Eddie Sibrian and Kim Raver. I mean, for God's sakes, these two need to be together in real life. Like, Eddie Sibrian, get rid of fucking Leanne Rhymes. Like, get with Kim Raver in real life. Come on! <laughs> 
<laughs> and have a kid named Joey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all based on fact. No, I get what you're saying. I have, I honestly have not been in love like that. I never had someone that's like, oh, what if? I mean, yeah, no. So, I mean, I, I definitely can't relate in that aspect because, you know, I mean, and also I have walls around my heart. I protect myself to the fullest. So that's why, too. I have issues I need to work on. <laughs> yeah, well. But <laughs> other than that, I get what you're saying, though. I mean, they are the ones, like, it's always going to be like, but what if, like, you know, this is the person I love. I mean, I get what you're saying. I do. I mean, it's, it's what makes it a beautiful relationship, though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is the case of I sort of go on my rants, but uh, you kind of come in and uh, summarize it very well. So... <laughs> Uh, but we've, there we go. Bobby, Kim, and Jimmy all done for this episode. <laughs> a few interactions here and there, but um, sort of between what we just saw there with Bobby, uh, we kind of just have a few little scenes here. Bosco uh, mentioning to Yokus he's taking lost time tonight to go to the opera, and I do love Yokus's line, like, what, you do realise you have to actually wear clothes for that, right? <laughs> uh, but then we also get Davis and Sully searching the RMP. Uh, and then Davis, for the first time, wants to drive, um, which, again, we haven't really noticed too much, but he hasn't driven yet, of course. Uh, and kind of when he says that line of, relax, what could go wrong? Are we not feeling this is going to be Carlos 2.0 when every time Carlos gets behind the wheels, he kind of kills someone or something? Um, but it doesn't turn out to be that way, spoiler alert. Davis actually does a good job. I will say, like, I've just spent a whole portion of this episode ripping shit into a storyline, but, like, what I love about this uh, whole episode is I think the development of characters and, like, Jimmy and Kim... Uh, that I just saying with that development of them as characters kind of moving forward with them. Davis, this is a such a, this is a grown up Davis episode. And like, you kind of see Sully observing him and how grown up Davis has become. And obviously next episode, we're kind of going to get a bit of a plot line about Davis's, uh, what, 12 month anniversary on the job. Whereas like, you know, this is really showing him growing into a, a, an independent cop. He's not so reliant on Sully, kind of what we we're talking about an episode ago about how he's always sort of reliant on other people. Um, this is a very strong Davis episode in terms of his development. And I also just think, like, sort of the development of Bosco with Nicole, even though it doesn't really go anywhere, um, and even kind of Carlos' situations in this episode. So I think that the reason why I like this episode so much and why I feel this is so underrated is that there's so much development with these characters that is going to become so important with their characters moving forward in this show. And Davis, simply by asking can he drive, I think that kind of sets him up for a lot of stuff here. No, I think so, too. I mean, this is definitely, like you said, one of the grown David episodes. I mean, it's pretty funny. Some of the scenes are pretty funny, but, I mean, there's not much to say about it. I mean, without spoiling it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I was like. I would, I would talk about one of the scenes, but I don't want to spoil it. So. Okay, well, we'll get with that. You, you make sure you point out that one to me when we get to it. Um but uh, we get random Dana again. Can I just point this out? Uh, Doc and Carlos are bringing in a random OD patient, but it's random Dana. Yay, not. Um, Dana has more <laughs> character development in this episode than Bobby. Uh, <laughs> she's basically not in it. Um, but we find out there's a call for um, for Carlos. Uh, headquarters want to see him, and he thinks it's all about this uh what is it, uh, civil protection unit or something that he's put in for? Dignity protection unit that he's put in for. Meanwhile, we kind of get Morales randomly getting flirted on or hit on by a random douche guy. And we kind of, this again, sort of even with the Doc and Morales stuff, we're learning a little bit here about, um, you know, Doc wanting to learn a little bit more about Morales, which is kind of sweet. Um, and obviously yes. we find out that uh, Morales likes the, uh, was this a symphony at this point that she likes? Um, 
I mean, obviously, finance will like opera at some point here too. Um, we, random scene here of Davis pulling up a trot, a, a guy for running a stop sign. Fucking love the way Davis handles this. It's so funny. Uh, when he's basically like going on about like, you know, oh, do you want to be dragged out of the car? And it's like, oh, that's in my other wallet. Uh, and what does he say? Like, um, oh, sorry. Now you got to go to jail or something like that. What does he say? Like, now you got to go to jail, bro. <laughs> and he's like, sorry to disappoint our budding relationship. Um, it's just, oh, it's so funny. I just love, I just love this scene. I think that's like, that's what like, that's the, I was like, that's the funny scene coming up. And he's like, now you gotta go to jail, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> just the way he says I, it. Now you're going to go to jail, bro. Smarts. Like, Sully's like kind of getting a laugh out of this. Like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I see you partner. You know? So. Yeah. Oh God, it's so funny. But uh, so anyway, from here, obviously, we know there's a Bobby Kim scene here, but we're skipping over that. Uh, Carlos at headquarters. Uh, they're walking through there. Uh oh, Vanjie's there. Uh, <laughs> I do like. I will say for Vanjie that um, you know her character's frustrating, but uh, the actress who plays her, and again, I have to pull up her name here. Uh, that is played by Samantha Buck. She actually plays his character really, really well, and I love the way she kind of like walks up to them. It's like, hey, Doc. Hey, lover. Just the way she says it. Um, she plays crazy very, very well. So props there to Samantha Buck. Um, and basically, we see Doc get called into the office. And what does the, the guy say? Like, you got a patient pregnant? <laughs> just the way that she says it. Um, yeah, I, I just... They like that bitch. Yeah. Like, I, like, I mean, look, you got to be honest. Like, you can understand Carlos's reaction, but you, look, let's be honest, you can also understand Vanjie's reaction too. So, um, it's kind of 50-50 here. So, um... It's a good chemistry between the two of them. Like, I love it. Because it's like, she's like, hey, lover. And he's like, that bitch. Like, yeah. I just, I just love it. It is too, it's too great. And I just love Doc in this episode, the way he kind of plays off on it. Like, just, it's just so funny. Um... Then we kind of, we get this uh, great little sequence. We've got Bosco in the uh, car reading opera for dummies, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Uh, but then we get this chase scene, which, um, look, if I analyse this scene in general, it is kind of one of these ones that you guess you could say is tacked on for no reason. But I think kind of what I feel the way I say that is that I'm saying that, you know, there should be more... Um, you know, overall themes to what we see in these episodes. And I think kind of one thing I've got to take a step back from here, and I I kind of, I think, went over it last episode, that you can kind of give third watch a little bit of a pass for its continuity because, you know, this was a different era for television. And I feel that, like, again, I need to kind of correct myself and not, you know, be so harsh sometimes because, again, different era of television. This is a day and age where this is a weekly show. It's a serial uh, show. It's just kind of like each episode is a stock standard. You've got a crime and basically solve it. And there's a few ongoing plot lines. But I think kind of, um, you know, you, you've got to have these random little bits in an episode because this is what they would be doing on their day-to-day lives as police. You know, it's not always about, like, following after the big crime bosses over multiple weeks. Like, they're just going to have a random guy who's going to steal a car and go on a car chase through the city. Um, so I kind of think that, like, on paper, this is one of those wasted things that really doesn't do much for any of the plot of this episode, but I kind of still think it works. Because uh, they're driving around, basically, a uh, blue Chevy cuts off uh, Yokus as they're driving. And I do like Yokus's line, like, this guy's going to be able to wallpaper with all the tickets I'm going to give him. And we kind of get this great chase sequence. Uh, the central, uh, the, the, they're telling him on the radio to call off the cert, uh, to call off the chase because they're going too fast. They go into a, a car, like a car garage, parking lot. 
um, and basically he ends up driving over the edge and crashing his car. Um, I just want a, a special note here to the music that they use here, Spy Break by Propellerheads. What a great song this is. Um, it's, I think, most famously known from The Matrix, and obviously this was 2000, so The Matrix was still a big deal uh, around about this time. But... Um, one of my... I just fucking love that song. It's so good. And it works so well with this scene. This is why, again, this this episode kind of is underrated just because there's a chase sequence. Like, I mean, you know, come season six, you don't go an episode without a scene like this. But, I mean, you know, we haven't had a chase sequence like this in a while. And it's just one of these ones that as soon as you hear that... Boom, 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 boom. Just the way it kind of works in with this chase. Uh, it gives me goosebumps when I watch that scene. It's just so well done. Uh, and the acting, Molly Price, just, you know, the way she's kind of like, like, screw those guys. Like, you know, I'm going to chase this guy. Like, she really lets it take over her. Um, so I just, I love this scene. And, you know, we'll just kind of connect this all. Obviously, the car over the edge. Uh, it's one of those exploding cars because all cars explode when they crash, of course, in movies and TV. Um, and basically, this guy is stuck under the seat. Uh, random Bobby moment, which I said we got rid of Bobby this episode. But, I mean, I guess he's got to save the day. Uh, he pulls this guy uh, out of the car. Um, I love Bosco randomly having a bit of a snap at Jimmy when he's like, you got your job, I've got my job. Um, and then kind of we get a little bit of a pensive Yokus sort of looking away. Uh, and Bosco's like, oh, what's up? And she's just like, nothing. Um so, yeah, I mean, I just lumped all that together. I don't know if you've got much to say on that matter, but I, I, I love this sequence, even though it's kind of random and doesn't really serve too much of this whole episode. No, it doesn't only too. I would say, like, it was just, it's cool to see Faith defying orders because he's used Bosco, who's like, no, fuck that. No, Faith was like, no, I'm, go- I'm going after this. And then the second one is, there was a, I forgot the joke when Bosco was like, some something here decided that he thought, Cars can fly, but FYI, they can't. Oh, yeah, that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when they're in the ambulance. And they're like, Jagoff here wanted to see if uh, Chevys can fly. FYI, they can't. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. Oh, yes. And actually, one thing I'll just add to that. I love Dick Bosco in the back of that ambulance. Um, just being an absolute dick to the guy. And they're like, is it Bobby and Kim? And, they're basically, and Bobby's just kind of like, come on, Bosco. And he's like, no, man, this guy's a dickhead. Like... <laughs> Well, he's like, oh, yeah, he gets morphine and I get paperwork. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It doesn't seem fair, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying about this episode. Like, it's just it's just random little moments like this that just really, to me, this is like a great episode. It is. It is. It's, it's, it has a lot of funny parts. I love it. I mean, I mean, and then you get, like you said, you got uh, Bobby here being a hero. And then you see him, like, get out of the car right before it explodes, like, right before and. Oh, he gets—he walks away with just like a bar on his arm, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's very—it's very, it's very over-the-top, cheesy TV moment where, of course, it just happens to explode as soon as he gets him out of the shot, out of the car. Literally. Um, <laughs> yeah. But again, like you know, it's—it's—it serves its purpose, I guess, in nineteen ninety-nine, two thousand. So you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just again for such a character-driven show, just have these moments like this. It's just, oh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, we get random little scene back at the, uh, police station, um, with, uh, Davis and Sully, and uh, we meet, uh, who's the old guy? Bernie Peters. Is it, or is it, no, is, uh, is that the guy who's retiring? Anyway, some old cop friend of Sully's, basically, come along to the bar tonight, and, uh, you know, I, I like these random Sully moments where, basically, he meets an, an old cop from something, if you know what I mean. It's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I do like it. I mean, I feel like that's when the story... The story kind of gets... 
with that plot. It kind of gets a little bit richer over time. It's solely his old cops and you start seeing things and putting them together. Not putting them together, but I don't know. There's not much to say about it besides just keep paying attention to the yeah. small details, you know, just because they're going to add up over time. Yeah. And it's, you got to realise that, as we kind of said with Sully, like, he's been on the beat for a long time. He's going to have these old-time friends who he's worked with over the years. So, And obviously, you know, it kind of... I think it's a nice little moment when we get to the end with Sully when we get into the bar later on, but I'll get to that. Um, oh, the, actually, the other bit that I wanted to add with Bosco in the back of the ambulance, too, is when he... What does he say? Like, oh, God, he stinks. Kind of smells like chicken. <laughs> 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 he's such a dick, but it's so funny. Like, because you just imagine this, like, the, again, these cops see it all. You know, it's not like they haven't dealt with burnt people a lot. And, like, it's it's kind of like I've seen these interviews and stories about, like, paramedics and police officers and things like that where, like, they're going to say the most inappropriate jokes out there on the field, but that's their way of, I guess, kind of dealing with it because, you know, they've got to deal with such tragedy all the time. And, like, they can't let themselves get it overtaken by it, so they're going to have to have dark humour and, like, yeah, it's kind of inappropriate. He's basically saying this poor guy who's, like, burnt, that he smells like chicken. But you also got to remember, this guy is a criminal. I mean, he stole a car and just, like, drove recklessly. But, you know, it's kind of... It's, it's one of these interesting moments where it's kind of, like, on paper, like, that sounds like a horrible thing to say. But at the same time, these these emergency service workers, I mean, unless you're there and you're you're doing their job, you've got, you've got to understand that they're going to have to have this weirdly dark sense of humour sometimes. No, it's beautifully done because I love it. You see Bosco, who's fed up, because like you said, they're the ones on the street see it every day. And the paramedics paramedics get to him like when they're like when they need him the most. So like to curse these guys, most of the time are not going to be assholes to them. They're going to be like, "I need your help." And so you see Kim and Bobby like all caring, like, "Oh, we gotta make sure he's okay." And Bobby's like, "Hold on, man, I got you, I got you." And Bosco's like, "Oh, come on, <laughs> just <laughs> let the bastard die." No. Yeah. Yeah, well, he doesn't quite say that, but uh, you did. It's but, definitely uh, <laughs> interesting. I love it. It's done so well together. Uh, so, um, yeah, but Doc and Carlos are around the scene. Um, what does Doc say? Like, oh, I don't think she's there to nominate you for the City Employer of the Year. Um, but, like, sort of talking about Vanjie and sort of, you know, kind of explains Vanjie a little bit, you know, like maybe she's looking for benefits. Um, and... I, I do like the, the um, what is what does Carlos say? Like, oh, what? So it's a bit of a morals thing or looking at, you know. Oh, no, he says, like, how it might affect um, him getting into med- medical school. And Doc's like, oh, what? Why do you say that? And then Carlos is like, oh, I don't know. It's something to do with the morals thing. And the way Doc just groups back, what, that you don't have any? Exactly. <laughs> that was too awesome. I will say, like, Michael Beach and Anthony Rivervar, just they're back and forth with each other. Like, that is a, like such a quip from doc it's like what you don't have any <laughs> i love it <laughs> it's um yeah it's 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 a fun little scene but uh anyway so davis and sally ran a little ones there where um davis uh stops a little fight um i do i do just like the little dialogue here when what does he say like you know don't make me get out of this car you two aren't allowed to play with each other for 30 minutes and the guy's like i don't have a watch and he's like approximate what does that mean Yes! <laughs> and then I kind of like Sully where he's like, what, no cross complaints? And that, it just reminds me of, um, is it the very first episode when they're trying to arrest the drunk guy and he throws up on Davis? Um, cause he's very by the book and kind of now Davis is like, again, like learning on this is really like Davis episode to kind of like get him out of that element, that book smart. And there is definitely a, um, 
it's when Finney comes into it, if I'm not mistaken, when Davis and Finney are partnered up. Finney's very Davis, isn't he? Like, he walks there with the, the, the procedure log and all that sort of stuff, and Davis kind of does what Sully did in the very first episode and grabs the procedure log and just throws it in the bin. So it's kind of like, again, for the amount of time that we rip shit into Third Watch for maybe not having brilliant continuity, there are subtle things that they definitely do remember. Um, so I just kind of, I like that little throwback to the first one where Sully's like, what, no cross complaints? I love it. I was half expecting Davis to use his uh, radio as like one of those uh, lie detector tests like Sully did in the... Pro- yeah, 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 yeah. This is a lie detector <laughs> test. <laughs> Where he's like, <laughs> I was half expecting that. So it was pretty cool to see that. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Candy, meanwhile, the one that I said doesn't show up anymore, he shows up, asks if they uh, need help. Uh, then we find out that Candy got paged and has to go deal with a, what, like a rent dispute. And basically, Davis is like, oh, we don't deal with this. Um, so then, uh, Sully and Davis still offer to go give him backup. Meanwhile, um, they go to this building. We find out that the manager is a regular on his beat and he's got a key to this place. And he basically walks into this building and there's two guys sitting around a table with plenty of cash around. And, uh, basically Candy's hit the jackpot. He's like, oh, hell yeah. I'm going to get paid a lot of money here. This is the retirement fund. And he basically says to Sully, get the kid out of here. You know, we've got to just let me deal with this. Meanwhile, Davis discovers a camera and this is all a setup. They're all setting him up to take the money. Uh, internal affairs are waiting for him. And um, basically, uh, I think I've jumped ahead of a scene there. But um, yeah, we, we basically see here that uh, Candy runs away from this situation, doesn't obviously get arrested. Um, I do like the line though from, um, uh, the internal affairs guy when he goes up to Sully and he's like, what were you talking about before we broke in? And Sully's just like, spring fashions. <laughs> just the way he kind of comes back on. Uh, oh, it's funny. Uh, but uh, the scene that sort of happens in between this, we see, uh, Carlos at Vanjie's place banging on the door. Uh, and basically, again, trying to explain things, but just in the Carlos way, doesn't do it particularly well. And he's basically like, it's a mistake. What else do you want short of getting married? I'll support you. Make a decision. <laughs> uh, and then Vanjie's kind of like, screw you, shuts the door on him. And uh, yeah, poor Mrs. Burrows at the same time was also getting uh, disturbed by her neighbours. Don't know if you've got anything to add on those scenes before we move on. No, I just like when she's like, it's okay, Mrs. Bowers. He just talks loud. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's like my favorite line right there. Uh, yeah. Again, random character moments. I like it. Like, this is the thing, that, too, with Carlos' situation is we're going to see a bit at the end here, but this is important for Carlos's character later on because this Vanjie pregnancy situation, don't think it's over. Even what happens at the end of this episode, it's not over. That's about as much as we can tease you here with it. Um, so, yeah, obviously, uh, Bobby and Kim have gone over them as well. Um, then we get random hospital scene. Dana is there, very brief. I've literally written in my notes here in capital letters. Dana! Um, then we get Bosco and Morales talking. This is the first ever Bosco-Morales interaction, except for that time he called her a bitch when we very first saw her on screen. Um... (laughs) And basically, Bosco talks about going to the opera, and then uh, Morales says, I'm jealous. Um, so, Bosco, yeah, and that's sort of more of a, re- a development point for Doc, who doesn't realise that the girl he's moving in with likes opera. Um, 
But uh, what else is it here that I'm looking at? Oh, so we kind of get a bit of a conversation between Yokus and Bosco. Uh, she kind of explains that she lost control of this situation and kind of needs to put herself into check. Um, and then we obviously find out that Bosco needs to get changed into his tux. He's not going to do it back at the station. He's going to do it at a diner uh, because he doesn't want to see all the other cops to see him. And I like that line from Yokus where she's like, oh, you're getting all hoity on me, Boz. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then he kind of... I like kind of how this comes full circle between these two characters too, whereas um, Bosco gives Yokus the advice about how to deal with the situation. Um, what, is, what does he say? Like, you told me that you can learn from it or something like that. And then the way Yokus is like, oh, I said that? Oh, I have my moments. I'm pretty smart sometimes. Um, so that was quite interesting. Meanwhile, uh, we get Davis back with Sully. Now, I should have mentioned before when uh, this whole situation happened with Candy and the money that uh, Internal Affairs uh, sort of dropped a little subtle reference to Davis and saying, like, oh, and you're Ty Davis's kid? Why isn't it surprising that you're here? So, again, kind of another little subtle hint that, obviously, Davis's dad is more than what he knows. So this little scene here with Davis is kind of to Sully, basically saying, like, I want you to tell me about my dad. And then he kind of moves on to... And this is, again, Davis standing up for himself. And I think he's got every right to say all this sort of stuff. He basically said, you should have asked me before we went to that scene. He's like, you know I don't like candy. And, uh, you know, we're partners. There's no more decisions based on just what you want. He's like, well, I want my input. And Sally's like, you're right. And again, this kind of sets up, I think, a lot moving forward with their relationship. Again, respect with each other. And there are very limited moments, I feel, moving forward here where they don't do things without getting each other's help, if you know what I mean. So, I mean, it's kind of a throwover scene, but I think it's, again, very important for the development of these two. No, it is. It is. I mean, I uh, actually enjoyed it. And it is an important scene because, like, again, like like I was telling the listeners, like, pay attention to, like, the small little details that seem like they wouldn't make a difference at the point, but they do. They add up yeah. over time. And, um, for sure. I do, like... I do like the next scene with Davis and Sully and Candy. Well, I may as well get to that now because, I mean, it kind of that covers a lot there too. So, basically, yeah. So, at the end of this scene, Davis is like, I need to go speak to Candy. Where is that little bastard? And then we kind of get uh, Davis pulling up and pinning Candy against a wall and uh, basically, like, you know, going off at him. Uh, you got you, I'm going to keep an eye on you. Uh, and then, like, uh, Candyman's like, oh, you know, you're going to turn me in. Uh, and then Dave's like, try me, Candy. So he's finally standing up to him and basically like, you know, I'm going to just keep an eye out for you. You're not going to get away with this. Uh, and that ultimately then leads into uh, Davis and uh, Sully basically having a conversation. Sully says, oh, I'm going to tell you about your father. Davis then basically says, look, I don't need to know. I love and respect him. I miss him. Um, you know, I don't need to know anything more than that. So, I mean, that kind of concludes the Davis storyline in this episode. Obviously, there's a bit more of Sully, which we'll get to towards the end. But, um, I, yeah, I'm with you. I love the scene when he pins up Candyman against the wall. It's great. This is the last time we see Candy. Please, I'm pretty sure it is. 99.9% sure. But um, I said that last time. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a very well-acted scene. And uh, definitely, again, development of Davis, perfect. I think it is the last scene, you know I mean? It would be cool, though, like, because Candy is, as we know, he's basically, because he is dirty. IAB even set up a sting to get him, in a way, I guess. And so, was that, that was meant for him, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, in a way, it'd be cool, like, years later on, it's like, he comes back and he's like, oh, man, Ty, you saved my life. Because, like, if I got caught, what would happen to my wife and my kids? I mean, because, you know, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I just thought that would be cool. I don't know why I thought about that when I saw that scene. It's um yeah I mean it's it's a it's a good point I think definitely it is uh you know it's interesting but it's it's kind of like 
I, I feel with the Candyman storyline, it would have been nice to kind of have him get arrested or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, kind yeah, of like get it, get his cup up, come up, and which I guess he kind of does because Davis finally stands up to him. But um, I mean, you can argue he kind of stood up to him in the last episode that we were together when they had that little fight in the basketball court. So oh, yeah, he's like <laughs> that was dope. But yeah, yeah, no. This- yeah. Pretty much sums it up. I mean, it was good knowing your candy. I didn't buy any candy. Oh, I do have... Nah. Well, you I'm do? Like, you don't? You do? We need to, you know, prep yourself. I was going to say, we have Reese's Cups, but I'm like, I don't want to open them. It's late. I'm I've still got my Britney Spears tape from the last episode, so we're good. Um, <laughs> but uh, we've kind of gone over a lot of the scenes already because we lumped a lot of these. The only one we really had in between all this was uh, Vanjie is waiting for Carlos as they uh, return back to the firehouse. Uh, what does Dave, uh, Doc say? Like, oh, round two. Um... And then, yeah, she basically uh, says, uh, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Uh, it's over. Goodbye, lover. So, again, leaves it open. We're obviously assuming that she's gotten rid of it, but um, watch this space. Um, I do like the, like, again, Davis has, uh, Carlos has all the right intentions. It's just how he delivers it. The way he's like, do you want any money? And she just slaps him and walks off. It's kind of like, you know, like, you can see where he's coming from. I do. I but do. it's like, yeah, maybe not say it that way. <laughs> exactly. Like, don't, like he does, it, in his little moments, he does care. Like, in that moment, he was like, why? You mean, like, because he was like, I would do everything to support you if your choice, but sure, for marrying you. And she got mad about that. So, I mean, he does try. He just does he just, he just can't, he can't, I don't know, poor Carlos at times. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag poor Carlos. Um, and I think kind of like we'll wrap up the Carlos stuff really here and Doc stuff. I mean, kind of all that kind of leads to with Doc and Carlos really from this point on is we get them in a music store, which kind of, as you mentioned last episode, um, apparently only people buy cassettes in the year 2000. Uh, Doc's obviously trying to, you know, find a sexy opera to, to play to Morales because he's finding out that she likes the opera and the symphony and Doc and um, Carlos, obviously. I like these scenes where they're kind of having their own conversations between each other. Like, he's, like, going, what did she mean by that? And he's, like, yeah, maybe she'll like this one. And, like, I do like the line when he says, like, uh, oh, you want sexy? Get Tony Braxton, Seal. You know what I mean? Like, it's um very dated, I guess, in the music references there. Not to take away from the sexiness of Tony Braxton and Seal, but, I mean, in 2017, when we're recording this episode, we're not exactly going to go to them as our go-to sexy music people to make love to. Um, but then, like, as Doc buys the, the tape, uh, I love how Carlos then all of a sudden, like, changes his tune and he's like, oh, maybe it would have been nice to actually have a blood relative. And this is kind of like, Doc definitely is in the right here when he's like, you don't have a right to say that. Like, I mean, come on, you were, like, complaining about this. I mean, look, I'm not trying to be completely harsh on Carlos because, again, you can kind of understand where maybe it's, you know, it's been a shock and he's kind of come full circle on this. But, yeah, like, you got to be team Doc on that one. That's a very valid point. Uh, and then kind of just to kind of close it out, we get a scene of, Carlos walking past a baby store later on and looking at it and basically, um, you know, being sad that he's seeing babies. Um, and then, um, of course, with Doc and Morales, we just kind of get this nice little scene between them and basically Doc, you know, saying like, look, you know, you don't have to only talk about the things that you like, that I like, you know, I want to know that you like the opera. I want to go to the symphony with you. Um, you know, it's, it's nice. Um, and then they uh, make out and basically uh, go home to make love to uh, opera, which, look, um, I don't know how that would work. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're into opera, 
Is that sexy? Uh, do you like opera, Brandy? I don't know. <laughs> I like opera. I, like, I want to go to opera at one Do you want to make sure. love to opera? I mean, that kind of seems like no. a weird thing to make love to. Uh, why would I say make love? I hate that term. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> It's a personal question. I'll put you on the spot. Now. I would never say never. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know my future. I don't know. Because, like, I don't want those. No, I just want to go to opera. Can it just be innocent? <laughs> well, look, look, I, look, I, 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 I'll be honest. I know nothing about opera. So, like, we don't have opera in Hobart. We're not that sophisticated down here. But, like, if I was in New York and I got the invite, like, I've always wanted to wear a tuxedo. I'd love to get dressed up and I'd go along for it. Why not? I've been to watch you know the symphony orchestra play before and i didn't mind that I'm, you know i'm not that sophisticated and hoity-toity but i mean i would never say never if i got the invite but um, hey we can both we can both there I'm we go too, just so you know i liked i'm i'm tomboyish in a way I'm, well, i'll wear I'm the dress my... i'll wear the dress in my... <laughs> there we go done 2017 i'll yeah. We'll make a fashion statement. There it'll, be, it'll be one yeah. of these moments where, like, you know, women, when they sort of say, like, oh, I'm allowed to wear these, I'm allowed to wear shorts, I'm, I don't have to wear a skirt, like, you know, I can wear what I want. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm like, well, I'm a man, I can wear a fucking dress if I want to, you know? There you go. I'm going to text and we're going to go. There we go. I'm going to put lots <laughs> of cleavage out. Everybody wants to see it. So there you go. Um, so uh, that kind of concludes Doc and Carlos. And sort of the Bosco stuff here... Um, I love it when Bosco comes out in his uh, tuxedo and there's, like, one cop who's kind of like, you know, kind of gives him a bit of shit. But I love just Jokas's line. It's like, wow, you look like James Bond. Martini, shaking, not stirred. Like, we obviously do uh, James Bond podcasts. Download the uh, 007 podcast available now via iTunes. Um, but, like, I just love random reference to James Bond. I'm going to say this now. Jason Wiles would not be a good James Bond. <laughs> I love Jason Wiles. I think he's a great actor. Just no to him being James Bond. <laughs> not James Bond, but I can see him doing something. Just Maybe a Bond James villain or a henchman. Not not Bond. <laughs> so. nah, he could do like a little independent action movie maybe. Or, <laughs> and then like if he's good, gain. Well, I mean, I don't know now, but I mean like then, yeah. yeah. I do like the little line from Yokis when she's like, oh, I feel like a mum with a kid going off to prom. It's kind of nice. He gets uh, picked up and kind of all we really get from Yokis at this point is the montage at the end when he's, when she's going through the car and she finds the opera for dummies and kind of has a little bit of a smile. Um, but then we get Bosco at the opera. He says to Nicole, oh, I feel like a penguin. And I love Nicole's line when she's like, oh, let's go meet the Osbor- Osbournes. And then we kind of get, uh, you know, her hoity-toity rich parents. It's like, hey, I went golfing with one of your chiefs. Do you know much about golf? And it's like, oh, when I play, it's more like goof. Like, that's me. I'm Bosco in that situation. I'm going to be like, just like, yeah, how you going? And I've got like these really rich up type parents who are like looking down on me. Um, and then I do like it when they uh, walk off and he's with the dad and basically like, you don't want an Osborne woman. You're the latest incarnation of uh, Piss Daddy Off. And then I just love the way he just handles it. Sir, do you want to go to a ball game with me sometime? <laughs> Just love how Bosco handles it. Um, then, yeah, the montage, as I said, we kind of, you know, get a few little shots. We've got Carlos, we get the baby, we get Yogis in the car. Uh, we see Bosco and Nicole kind of just uh, watching the opera. It's where we get Bobby checking on the homeless person. Um, 
I'm going to come back to the Sully scene. I'll leave that to the end uh, because uh, I just want to go to the Bosco-Nicole situation where um, he's kind of talking a little bit about, you know, the opera, about how we haven't changed in about 100 years. It was about a corrupt cop and all this sort of stuff. And this is a scene, like this nice little scene between these two where you just really feel like this is going to go somewhere deep for both of them because all of a sudden, you know, Bosco is just kind of like, oh, your dad said that you just are with uh, me to piss him off. And she's honest. She's flat out honest. She's like, well, yeah, you were at the start, but I'm kind of falling in love with you. Um, which is just, it's just a nice little scene. And it's just, oh, it's setting us up for just nothing because it's going to go nowhere. So before I get to the last bit, which I'll include with the Sully scene, I mean, anything to add kind of on this Nicole Bosco stuff? No, it was a gorgeous scene. I, the back, I was looking at the background when I watched that scene. I was like, they made it so perfect. Like, you made it made it feel like it was like Bosco was finally in love, like he found the like the one at the moment. And yeah, I, I mean they they put a lot of emphasis on it. I mean, yeah. So for you, I get where you're coming from. For them to like just drop it off next season, it's like wow. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> now uh, just close it off. I know this isn't the last end of the episode. That's the Jimmy and Kim uh, moment. But uh, we get uh, Sully goes to the bar to his friend's retirement party. Now we had Sully getting stood up by a bitch last episode. And this time around, we kind of get uh, his old friend who wants to pawn him off to a marry uh, a, a male order bride. Um, but can we just point out the uh, elephant in the room here with the uh, the obvious reference when uh, we meet his male order bride? And then he basically says, you know, in America, I'm a middle-aged, overweight man. To Perla, I'm Walt Disney and Donald Trump in one. Uh, <laughs> so, like, here we go. Oh. Donald Trump references. Man, when I heard that. Yeah. Just like, oh, just imagine watching never... this in the year 2000. Innocent little reference. You're like, oh, that kook. Nowadays, you're like, holy fuck. <laughs> Um, I like his line when he says, oh, I still have the catalogue if you're in, and you know, if you're interested, um, which is kind of funny. Um, cause again, I think it's kind of setting Sully up. We've kind of had two episodes in a row now where Sully doesn't want to date anymore. And then here it's kind of like, oh, will he be desperate enough to get a male order bride? Can I just point out a little thing here? And I'm not being disrespectful to Eastern European ladies here, but I kind of find it interesting that Sully ends up with kind of somebody who you would maybe assume would be a male order bride, if that makes sense. And again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful in saying that. It's just kind of, you know, I guess where you would generally have the cliche of the male order bride from. Um, but one thing I, I just want to point out here too, as a little bit of a, a teaser here, which I think is kind of another one of these little moments where, again, we give the show criticism for being bad at continuity, but this is another underlying little moment to pay close attention to in the future. The song that is in the background that they're playing when he walks into the bar, uh, it's a song called Radar Love by uh, a band called Golden Earring. Now, this is the same song that we will get later on when Sully is in a bar quite intoxicated and singing karaoke. So I just think that's... It's not for another three seasons, because that's not to the fourth season when Sully kind of has issues with his drinking. Um, spoiler alert. But, um, yeah, I just kind of think that's a nice little, um, little connecting point that, uh, you know, Sully's in the bar with this song and they're going to use that song again in three seasons' time. Wow, no, that's good. To, I did not pick that up. So that's hey, there you go. Yeah, you officially reclaimed your position as Thurwatch's biggest fan. Thank you. Good Thank awesome. you. I was sad that I lost it for a while, but we're back, and that's all that matters. Uh, so there we go. That's another night at the opera. Uh, the penultimate episode of season one. We've only got one more episode to go this season. 
But uh, before we talk a little bit about uh, that episode, uh, let's get straight into our ratings here. Of course, buy it, rent it, bin it. I'm going to interrupt you and I'm going to go first because you know I'm going to buy this episode. I'm, I'm a huge advocate for this episode. I think it is a very underrated episode of Third Watch. And uh, if I had to rate all these episodes, I, I could... I don't know about top 10, but I definitely think this would make my top 20 episodes of all time. I think this is a great episode. I agree. Actually, I'm going to buy it too. Yay! I enjoyed it, and I love that. I think this is like one of the best times you could see like a softer side of Bosco. I mean, seeing how like he's always like that tough dude. I love seeing this like side of him. You know, you get more of him. You get a little bit more into his personal life. So Yeah, yeah. Definitely buying it just because like the Bosco plot. Maybe and Davis, Davis also just, you know, being him and... Also, the funny scene. I love that line. Like, you know, he thought Chevy's could fly, but F- FYI, yeah. it can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines in Third Watch. And so, yeah. For sure. Well, we're into the final episode of season one next week. It's called Young Men and Fire. And just as a bit of a teaser here, we've got uh, a situation where some people get trapped in a building. They can't get out. We've got a situation where one of the characters. Uh, finds out something in terms of uh, their health, which is going to have big ramifications on themselves moving forward. Another character may or may not get shot in a dramatic scene, and uh, Ty celebrates a year of being a cop. Uh, that's a, I can't really tease too much about that. I already uh, sort of uh, teased that. Uh, it's a strong finale, I will say. Uh, I think, uh, you know, maybe if you were to look at um, overall all the finales of Third Watch... Uh, I'm not sure if it holds up as kind of one of the most memorable. I mean, you for such a strong season, season one, and obviously we know that this trails off a lot in terms of different seasons. Um, but I, I will say that even the weaker seasons moving forward into the future have quite strong uh, finales. And it'll be interesting once we get to the end of six seasons if we rate the six different season finales. But just thinking on the top of my head in terms of kind of where this leads and everything along those lines, I might even say this is the weakest season finale out of all the finales moving forward. But uh, I, I still think it's a strong episode. I'm not saying it's a bad episode, but I'm just thinking about a finale to end the season. But um, yeah, it's, it's still overall a very good episode and I'm, I'm looking forward to covering it. No, I agree. I mean, I uh, I can't remember if this was the episode. I didn't even remember like where this episode was, but now that you mentioned it, I was like, oh, wait, it is the finale. So, I mean, it's a strong one. I mean, there are some bigger, powerful ones, but this is definitely a strong one. I think it's, I think it's a great one for like for the first season. When you start out a show, and like I think they ended it well for a great for the first season. So it's a very strong one. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, in the meantime, you can subscribe. You can like us. And also follow us on all the social media avenues, Twitter, Facebook, or on Stitcher, of course, Spotify and iTunes to get these episodes direct to your devices. And as always, we'd love to hear feedback from you. If you want to send us any questions, any discussion points, we're always uh, keen to bring it up. And uh, we appreciate your support as we move forward with our Third Watch episodes. One more to go for this season. It's going to be a good one. And in the meantime, we're closing it out now. And I'm going to say, my name is Ben and I took care of it. My name is Brittany. If you love him, just tell him. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.